I'm feeling a lot better today, though. We had I had a wrestling show last night, and I'm just happy that I have a voice. I I, oh, I yeah. seem to have found the winning formula of how much to you know talk into the microphone and how much to scream into the <laughs> microphone. After ten years, I finally figured out how to do my fucking job. <laughs> it's a it's a skill. Okay, should we get going now? I guess we might as well before Zencaster cuts us off again. <laughs> M- might as well, yeah, before we're on uh, session 60. Yeah. Um, all right, welcome to No Hugging, No Learning. It's a show about one thing, watching Curb Your Enthusiasm for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy. And I'm Ted Hollowell. And today we will be talking about Season 3, Episode 4, The Nanny. But before that, what's the deal with stuff from our last episode, Club Soda and Salt. So, let us consult the book. In this episode, David Bass, the conversation between Larry and Brad on his own life, saying, that happened to me at Tony and Tina's wedding. I was in the men's room, and one of the guys in the play (laughs) came up and started talking to me in character, and I said, you got the wrong guy. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Who said this happened to him? Larry? Larry, yeah, yeah. Okay. He's like, you know, he went to a interactive, you know, play. It was like, I... I no, I'm 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 not the guy to be in character and and improv a little <laughs> scene with you. I'm not interested. Sorry. <laughs> hey, um, come on! I'm here for the wedding. I brought my cabagool. <laughs> this reminds me of a great Simpsons gag when they go to I don't know where they go to see the Itchy and Scratchy musical, and Marge is like, "Oh no, they're coming down the aisle." She's like, "I'm rummaging through my purse. I'm rummaging through my purse," just so she doesn't have to like interact with any yeah. of the actors. <laughs> <laughs> don't make eye contact uh yeah and that's there's a lot of people that are like that i don't think i'm too much like that but there are people that will go to an experience like the circus or a theme park where the shows are interactive or, or oh harlem globetrotters that's another great oh, one yeah <laughs> where the shows are interactive and they're like i am not here to be a part of the show i just want to watch the show do not engage with me please and uh somehow like clowns and other people are drawn to those like the worst the people who want it the least i think so scott weintraub the man who plays the husband who won't accept the wedding gift teaches acting at larry david's daughter's school i guess Mm. whenever this book was published because i would imagine that she has left that school at this point Um, yeah it'd be sad if she was in that same school still yeah unless she works there oh yeah yeah that's true but this is this was 2006 so that's when the book (laughs) was published um, oh, so I'm, God. I'm guessing she didn't she date Pete Davidson for a while? Oh, I think so. I yeah. mean, Pete Davidson is a a serial dater right now. What is her name? Oh, right now, yeah. Um, I don't know, but they they dated for a long time before Pete Davidson's dating life was like an interesting thing. It was like, oh yeah, he's dating. Yes, Larry he dated. David's. Yeah, he dated Cassie David. There Cassie, you go. Yeah, Ca- Ca- I guess it's Cassie. But it's spelled right. with Z's, Cassie oh, David. Cassie, I think that was prior to Ariana Grande. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. I think it was one of those like he had just broken up with her or whatever, and then got in, and then was immediately engaged or something like that. Yeah, I think. Um, I think they were dating when he and Ari. Oh wait, here it is. Cassie David says Pete Davidson dumped her in a text message just one day before she learned he was dating Ariana Grande through Instagram. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. And that's when that's when everyone that's when the interest in Pete Davidson skyrocketed. So mission accomplished, I guess. He wasn't getting any attention dating Cassie David. During a lengthy scene in Larry and Cheryl's bedroom, it can be seen that the grandfather clock on the wall never changes time. My <laughs> God, how could they do that to us? That's like something that would be on on the IMDb trivia page or whatever, but it's in the book. <laughs> the sign in front of the church where Tony and Tina. Oh, you know what? I hate that this is. Oh, I like that this is in the book, but I hate that I forgot to mention it last week because I had written it down. But the sign in front of the church in which Tony and Tina get married reads Pastor Sheehy after Bill Sheehy, the show's director of photography. Oh my god! Yeah. And I noticed that in the credits because I spent so much time looking at that sign doing doing like location research for the church when I that I, that I definitely noticed Pastor Sheehy on there. And then somehow in the credits, I saw the name again and I was like, oh, my gosh. And I, I wrote it at the end of my notes, but I forgot to read it. So <laughs> it is in the book, though. Uh, and Cheryl Hines was Josh Temple's. That's the guy that plays Brad. Cheryl Hines was Josh Temple's improv teacher at the Groundlings. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I didn't even know 
Cheryl Hines had background in the Groundlings, but that's cool. She had backgroundlings. Oh my god. <laughs> um so what were they thinking from the what they were thinking section of the the this particular episode? Josh Temple, who again played Brad, said during the first take of the fight in the bathroom, things got a little heated. Bob Weedy was directing, and after the first take, he goes, cut, and it was dead silent because Larry had left the scene. So I'm still standing there and I'm scared because I don't know if I've really pissed him off. And Bob comes in and he says, All right. That's way too tense for me and way too tense for the camera. Someone needs to mellow out, and it's got to be Larry. So when Larry came back in, (laughs) I was apologizing for taking things too far, but he said everything was fine. I told him I was going to ask him to hand me a paper towel, and he goes, you should have. You blew a moment, but don't ever ask me to hand you a paper towel. I'm sorry, but you just don't get opportunities like Curb. My background, a mostly improv, and that's your Everest right there. Oh, my God. Fuck off, Larry. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I had no idea he was such a diva on the set. Jeez. And I, I liked uh, who was who saying that someone needs to calm down? The director. Yeah. The director's like, someone needs to calm down. <laughs> and it's Larry. And it's Larry. It's great that he like made the, the guest actor feel at ease by saying that. It's like, no, it's, it's not you. It's him. <laughs> yeah. Don't, it's, it, it's not you. It's him. I would uh, I would rest assured in any social interaction with Larry David, it's not you, it's him. If you ever feel yeah. <laughs> upset after meeting him, it's definitely not you. <laughs> I'm sure everyone, you know, I'm sure uh, everyone was nice as you could be as nice as possible and still screw it up somehow. So uh, there you go. That is all from the book. You may be seated. All right. Uh, do we have any other uh, newsworthy bits or anything? Not that I not that I can think of. All right. Well, uh, if you have never listened to us before, we are not a research-heavy show, despite the last... Fuck, I have no idea how, how long this is going to be. We've, we've been recording for 25 minutes. Um, What's ended have... up in Zencaster is, let's see, 11... Uh, it's about Ma- maybe, 17, 18 maybe minutes. Th- maybe, like, I don't know, 13 right now? I have no idea. But... Yeah. We are not a research-heavy show, despite the last blah, 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 yeah. in, in, insert time here. Uh, I've never seen these episodes before. Tim hasn't seen these episodes before in the last 20 years. Um, if we miss anything, if we egregiously skip over something, please send us an email or send us a tweet. It's at NoHugging on Twitter or NoHuggingNoLearningShow at gmail.com. Just like uh, someone did, uh, because we have got a lost in the mail. It's the oopsies, we didn't do it last week edition. <laughs> I totally coming up. Yeah, oh, I did too. Coming up at the <laughs> end of the episode. Um, uh, both the links for the email and the Twitter are in the show description on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you like us, you can give us a five-star rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts and a five-star rating on Spotify. Both those do really help the show, so please do that. And uh, if you really, really like us just a little bit more, we are over on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash nohugging, where for a low, low, low amount per month, you can get uh, early access to every single episode, clipped content from just about every episode, as well as one to two movies reviews every month from the Seinfeld Extended Universe. And uh, most recently, Tim, we started our foray into the exploration of the American sex comedy. Yes, of the early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s. And we've been talking about it for a while. It's finally happening. Yeah. And uh, obviously, um, what is the Seinfeld Extended Universe? Well, it just has to have someone from Seinfeld or Curb involved with the movie whether you know it's a it's a director a star a background actor in Seinfeld or Curb that maybe is getting a a starring role or maybe it's just they're a background actor in both things that 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 counts that's enough Mm -hmm. for us Mm -hmm. they have a Seinfeld (laughs) credit and a credit in a movie that movie that's it that's that's all it takes for us uh but again that is patreon.com slash no hugging all that being said, Season 3, Episode 4, The Nanny. Original air date, October 6th, 2002. And if you were looking in TV Guide that night, you are going to see Larry, Cheryl, Jeff, and Susie encounter a nanny from hell while Larry uh. commits a faux pas at a pool party, having watched the episode. Now, I, I, I really like that description. Yeah, it's not bad. It's a little long, but 
We may, we'll see it, what we can it do does, with it. It does sound like one of ours. We were saying that <laughs> yeah, last I know, week, though. I know. <laughs> yeah. We like to make them more as you know more succinct, but sometimes we fail at that. Um, <laughs> but we make we do make them better. We always make them better, even if we can't make them shorter. Uh, so we'll see what we can do with that one when we get to the end. Uh, we open at Bobo, Shay Bobo, and uh, Larry fails engaging with a plumber who's working on the bar. I really thought this was going to have something to do with the episode, but it is just sort of padding to get us into this scene. Yeah. Um, maybe it'll come back. Maybe this plumber will come back, but they, they never do. Uh, and one of the investors, Hugh, is inviting all the other investors to a pool party at his house. And he also works for the publishing house that does Bartlett's quotations. And have, have, were you familiar with this book at all? N- not really. No, I, um, I might write it down, let's see, um, because the only frame of reference I have for it is my dad had a copy. So it was kind of okay. like, I, I guess it was like just published and updated every now and then, like the you know 196th edition, and it would attribute quotes to people and, and like who actually said them, who coined them, you know, like uh, aphorisms <laughs> okay. and, and, and sayings and things that people like writing on you know, motivational posters or going away cards or whatever, you know, you could see who actually got credit for them in this book. And I guess it was like kind of the authority on that subject, but how they became that way, I have no idea, or if they're even still around or published, but this, uh, this guy, Hugh Mellon does work for the publishing company that, that puts it out. And Richard Lewis wants to be in there for coming up with, this is the blank from hell. When somebody describes something as being the blank from hell, that was Richard Lewis's, and he came up with it. <laughs> okay, is, okay, I know. Richard. That's a hilarious. It's a hilarious storyline to me, and that like Larry is so supportive of that theory. Like, yes, that's yours. That's Richard Lewis's. Like, he's constantly <laughs> through this episode defending that point of view. That's Richard. Richard Lewis came up with the blank from hell. This guy will check it out, and maybe he'll make it into Bartlett's quotations. Richard Lewis. Uh, Jeff is going to bring Susie to the pool party, and it's a big secret, but she's pregnant. And that's why Jeff has moved back in to his house. He's moving back in, even though he's allergic to Oscar the dog. What was Larry's story about where he was saying, like, yeah, I've, I've always been telling Cheryl she should just let me date. I'm like, what, where, did, where did that come from and what did it have to do with anything? I think because of Jeff's dalliances is what got him kicked out of the house. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. And, that, uh, and now he's moving back in. But I wrote down Larry invents polyamory. Like, that's really all. Like, Larry, seriously, to like, just, he can take credit. You know what? Put him in Bartlett's quotations. He invented the polyamorous relationship where Good married Lord. people go out and date and then come back and tell them, tell each other about it. Uh, and sometimes sex is involved and, and, uh, and feelings remain intact, supposedly. I am not in a, a polyamorous relationship, but, um, I've, I've listened to podcasts, so that's where my knowledge We're comes from. T- talking about uh, quotations, Tim, I think that is a brand new sentence right there. What's that? I am not in a polyamorous relationship, but I do listen to podcasts. Yeah, but I do listen quote, to podcasts. Quote Tim Murphy. <laughs> and I have, I've heard, I've heard about them on podcasts. So, um, <laughs> yeah, Hon- I mean, but honestly, I, I see, da- I see Larry's point too. Is like. And and the mo- there was a movie. Oh yeah, Hall Pass did this really well. Uh, you know, showing that like guys like man, if I was single again, or maybe you know maybe a certain type of guy like oh man, if I was single again, blah blah blah. And then when they actually are when they actually catch the car, the dog doesn't know what to do with it. It's like yeah, uh, no. Oh I, now I, I can I, yeah. Like I know for a fact I would be absolutely awful right now in um in playing the field. I'm I'm so thankful to to be in a a, a happily committed relationship because i I know like even whenever like we're out for like these things for the radio station i'm like i i feel like i've developed social anxiety as i'm getting older like even when i'm at a wrestling show you know like i i i can't just go talk to people it sucks don't even i don't even want to think about that when you just said it like a shiver went down my spine of like starting a conversation with a stranger right though like i i I I can't do it. I, I just can't. Yeah. What are you supposed to do? Just like go up and start talking? 
They're like, I oh oh, oh I, I like your shirt. I also like that thing. You yeah, know? Yeah. Wait, how did a dude come up at our, our remote wearing a wrestling shirt, you know? I'm like, oh yeah. cool, that that's that's my in, you know? Like, oh hey, cool shirt. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm also a wrestling fan. You know what he says? Oh cool. Uh I'm like, well, dude, I, come on. There's uh, there's so few of us. We've gotta stick together. Yeah, that's not gonna make that's not gonna make your situation any better. Like, well, that's the reaction I got. That's the last time I talked to anybody. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, for for me, like <sighs> for instance, we I went. You know, school is starting, and Declan's starting in, in a new school, and so we went to this like playground thing where they got to run around with the their future classmates, their soon to be classmates, and so I already have something in common with everybody. And I'm like, and I still just like did not go up and talk to anybody. Like, hey, our our kids obviously go to the same school. <laughs> like, what's your name? What's your kids like? And I still was like, you know, as opposed, and that's opposed to like Sarah, who is that person who will like, yeah, you know, go up and, and God, talk I'm to people. I'm always amazed at just how able Sarah is to like start a a good a fun conversation with fucking anybody. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we're a good match in that way because I would not know anybody if it was not for her. <laughs> that would just be, yeah, and and but it is fun. It's funny to think like, yeah, you know, like what would be different if like if I was single right now, what would be different? Absolutely nothing. It would be like when you were single before, you would strike out just as much. Don't even fool yourself. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, but Larry, Larry, but Larry thinks that would be good for his relationship because he would get that out of his system, and. I guess sometimes have sex. I mean, that does come up, but but he would get that out of his system and Cheryl would see that it's no danger. Like letting him date, he, she's in no danger of losing him, I guess. That's what I got from his conversation, just to bring it back to like why he started bringing that up. And and I guess it was just a little bit more, just a little button on the scene about, you know, what would make Larry's relationship work as opposed to what made Jeff's relationship fail. At a bakery... Larry and Cheryl are going in for their favorite bread, but this bakery is going out of business. And Larry wants to bring some sponge cake to the pool party they're going to. Cheryl protests, but saying that it's not a good cake to bring to a pool party, but Larry wins and they bring some sponge cake. At the pool party, how about this amazing tracking shot that they got into the scene with? I rewound it and watched it several times. It was so yeah, dude, this beautiful rule. and cinematic. Oh my god! Like it I don't know, like a drone shot, but drones weren't a thing yet. I know, and I'm like, well, it obviously it, starts on a crane. It, it but then, had to. It had to be a cable cam. I think it was a um, because where were they? Well, I my guess is it was a crane shot to a handoff. I think there was a camera handoff. I want to mm. see the making of this shot because. The camera comes down, like pans around the pool, follows a woman for a second, and you can see our group that we're going to join in a second. And then it like sort of pulls back and goes around Larry and does a and is a full close up on Jeff Garland's face, Jeff Green. Yeah, um, and it was incredible. I'm like, who, who directed this? <laughs> this is is this like uh, James Cameron's foray into TV? <laughs> HBO's like, I don't think it. Maybe it was. Um, I'm going to look at it. Well, wait, I bet I have it in the book. Hang on. I bet I have it in the book. We're going to give struggling director James Cameron (laughs) an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm in 2002. Okay. I just got, (laughs) I just got our answer though. It's Larry Charles. Oh, no way. Good on him. Who did go on to be a, you know, a prolific screen director. So Mm -hmm. um, yeah, not surprised that we're seeing this now in a movie like, or a show like Curb Your Enthusiasm. It was absolutely brilliant the way we joined this pool party. We do end up closing in on Jeff, who is shoving a giant piece of sponge cake into his face. <laughs> um, I like, by the way, I call this angel food cake. That's the same thing, right? Uh, uh, I don't know, honestly. I I think they're synonymous. Just it, It's no surprise that in L.A. they would go with the secular name of, of angel food cake. Um <laughs> Uh, oh yeah, so when you search "angel food cake," sponge cake comes up uh, as a subtitle on Google. So they are the same thing. But I love this kind of cake. Do you love angel food cake, sponge cake, whatever you want to call it? It's okay. Mm. It's interesting because it's a mostly unfrosted cake, but it has that toasty exterior that just adds all like that caramelized whatever's in it. That exterior gives it all the sweetness you need. Yeah, it's it's an anomaly among cakes, but I think uh, it's you know it's a great one, and Jeff loves it, and he wants more. 
but they're going out of business and but and so Larry won't tell him what the bakery is because they're going out of business. He says it's moot. Uh, but Jeff still wants to know and and I agree it's you know just because they're going out of business just tell me the name. It's okay that they're going out of business. I just have to know. <laughs> um, and Larry has to go to the bathroom and he won't use the cabana bathroom, which I guess is like a pool house. Is that what I I guess so. You gathered? Yeah. yeah. Um and so he wants to go into the house. Although this person's uh, Hugh Mellon's cabana bathroom is probably nicer than any bathroom in my actual house, if I was oh, to guess. Oh, 100%. But, yeah. <laughs> but, but not good enough for Larry. So he goes to the house, and he's stopped by Sherry O'Terry. You recognized her, right? I, oh, I didn't. I know that name, though. What is she from? She's most famous for being on SNL. Okay, okay. And she was one of the Spartan cheerleaders with Will Ferrell. So that would probably be like her big. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And she was on there from 95 to 2000. So she was already a known. This was like a guest star spot uh, for her. You know, this was like guest starring someone you know. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And she did. uh, Oh, well, she's in Grown Ups, too. Um, She's in (laughs) Liar, Liar, I guess, for a little bit. Um, yeah, she's, she's gone on to do a bunch of stuff, but, but nothing as big as when she was on SNL and had a bunch of crazy characters. There was one lady who was kind of addicted to pills or something like that was on a bunch of medications and that was, um, yeah. So, uh, Sherry O'Terry, uh, stops Larry from going into <laughs> the house to use the bathroom, but Larry talks his way in and says, he'll be responsible if anything happens. Don't worry about it. You know, it's, it'll be okay for me to do it. Uh, and Larry, when he comes back out, notices that no other investors showed up to the pool party. They're the only ones that showed support. So yeah, that's going to get just uh, yeah. just Larry and Jeff. Larry and Jeff uh, are the only people that showed up, even though all of them were invited. So they feel like that might get them some goodwill. But then the group starts staring at Hugh's son's giant penis. <laughs> oh, boy. Like, it's a little kid. It's <sighs> like a nine or ten year old, maybe. And yeah. they're all staring at what they say is a circus freak show of a penis. Jesus Christ. Yeah, and, and Larry's even doing, uh, I, I don't know what voice he's doing, but he's like, get a load of this. Oy vey. Yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, boy, get a load of this. Oh, whoa. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Why? Why? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> this is a very real... <laughs> This is a very like one of those things that might happen in real life. That you're like, well, but don't put that on a TV show. No one would believe that would happen in real life <laughs> on a TV show. And only Larry David, I think, would would be willing to pull this off. Uh, no pun intended. Okay, um, that's gross. <laughs> um, yeah, and, I had just uh, taken a drink of my coffee. <laughs> God damn it! But. And what what makes it less weird is that everyone does marvel at it. You know, I mean, Jeff and Susie and Cheryl and Larry are all like, geez. So so it's not just Larry being hung out to dry as some sort of pedophile perv. <laughs> uh, over at Broughton Coffee Shop, which is still at Broughton Way and Camden Drive in Beverly Hills, where it has been open since 1930. Uh, oh, my God. Enough. I know. They have hung in there almost 100 years. <laughs> Um, the Broughton Coffee Shop. Uh, and I think they've even been, uh, the last thing I was able to find is that they closed a little bit, probably for the pandemic or whatever, but they took that opportunity to remodel. And so the outside is oh, all that's been cool. sort of, yeah, painted and redone. And, uh, and, for, and for Beverly Hills, it's a very affordable breakfast place. I expected to see like gourmet hollandaise and coddled eggs. And no, it's like normal diner food for like 10 or 12 bucks a plate. I'm like, this Hell is- yeah. Like, oh these my are God. like IHOP prices. You guys are in Beverly yeah, Hills. Rules. But respect, <laughs> yeah. So shout out to the Broughton Coffee Shop. Might have to put it on our world tour list. Because Larry and Richard Lewis are there, and the place is packed. I guess that's how they're able to survive. You know, volume. They just pack them in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Larry and Richard Lewis have to squeeze into this tiny little table between... It's like kind of like two or three smaller tables, and they're all pushed together. And so there's like one party of two across from each other and a guy eating lunch by himself and two seats right in the middle across from each other. I do. I hate when I have to sit in a spot like this. Sometimes you go to a nice restaurant and they've put the tables too close together like this. And yeah, just like Larry says, like, I can't I can't talk. How are we supposed to talk? If you can't comfortably walk between the tables, Uh, they're too close. Yes. 
and and you feel like you can't converse because everyone can overhear what everybody is saying. Mm-hmm. Um, Richard Lewis is like directed at me, just directed straight at me. <laughs> <laughs> but I agree with Larry. I would I would be silent through the whole thing. Like I can't talk about anything of substance. Uh, but Larry does tell Richard Lewis about the news about Bartlett's. We might get into Bartlett's. You might get into Bartlett's quotations for the blank from hell. Uh, and Larry uh, invited Hugh to Richard Lewis's HBO special screening, which is happening. They can talk him, you know, keep buttering him up about getting into Bartlett's quotations. And Richard Lewis can meet him and kind of plead his case and stuff. Uh, Larry does engage with the guy next to them. Like, are you getting all this? Is this interesting? you. <laughs> and the guy's like, I, I'm just trying to eat my lunch. It's a lunch from hell. And <laughs> Richard Lewis and uh, Larry David both give each other a knowing first they ask the guy where he heard he's like i don't know girlfriend or something like it's amazing that anybody was able to know to like remember uh you know where they heard this phrase you know like i don't know a girlfriend said it or something it's just it's just one of those phrases that has existed in human time and nobody gets credit for you know yeah yeah but richard lewis is like see this kills me He's not getting credit. It kills me. Even if it was in Bartlett's quotations, he would not get credit. No. It's not that much of an authority. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nobody like uh, consults it for every phrase or cliche or idiom that they say. Wait a second. I better credit Richard Lewis when I say this is the lunch from hell. Back over at Bobo, the Alsace or Alsace chef it doesn't want I to work. I think it's Alsace. Yeah, it is. Well, they make a point of like, because I think in, in French it would be Alsace. Ah, and, okay. um, and so, but they open by saying, so the Alsace chef, what's the deal with him? And someone says Alsace. But uh, I think everyone said Alsace in the last episode. But uh, so it's just someone being uh, pedantic and, and trying to sound worldly. But the chef doesn't want to work with us as Jeff kind of nods over towards Larry. <laughs> doesn't want to work with us. And <laughs> Larry's like, I saw that. Uh, and so they don't have a chef. They have no chef and everyone blames Larry, but he calls everyone out for he's, he plays his little brownie card, uh, uh, brownie point card and calls everyone out for skipping the pool party. Well, at least I went to the, we went to the pool party. I was at the pool party and nobody else was there <laughs> prior uh, prior to that, though. I like Larry interrupting the entire meeting of uh, chef planning because he doesn't have arms on his chair. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, you got arms. What, I'm just going to chair with arms. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then he also, you know, everyone's like, really, like, we open in two weeks and we do not have a chef. And Larry's like, you know what? I was at a restaurant and they have applesauce as a side. And I think we should offer that as a side. <laughs> uh, and everyone's like, what are you talking? We don't even have a chef to make anything. And you want to, a- okay, we'll write down applesauce just to please Larry. Don't worry, Larry. We'll get you your appy sauce. <laughs> I mean, could you imagine going into an adult restaurant for dinner and seeing applesauce as a side? Yeah. What the fuck is Not this? Not appropriate. Is this a fucking retirement home? Yeah. Are you going to give something... me my pills and crush them up and put them in my applesauce for me? Benadryl applesauce? Ugh. It doesn't go with anything. <laughs> Not at a restaurant they're hoping to open. Not at, Not at Bobo. Uh, not for the vibe they're going for. So after the meeting kind of breaks up, Larry compliments Hugh on his son's penis, which Hugh... <laughs> totally think, normal thing to do. Totally normal thing. Like, hey, your son, uh, that's some penis he's got. Like, again, why? Like, looking at it with your <laughs> wives, that was one thing. It should have ended there. Yes. Like, now that you're bringing it up, you're very close to being a pedophile perv. <laughs> like... You're, like you're, the, the only thing that he could have done worse is like, yeah, I took a photo of it because yeah. so I could remember it later on. <laughs> yeah. And because it's 2002, it's like Larry David arrested for child porn after developing photos of boy penis. Um, <laughs> that would be a great the next episode, I think. Uh, and so Hugh takes offense. I think we're on Hugh's side in this case. And he storms off. And Larry, through the whole episode, has been struggling with pronouncing Hugh correctly, as if he's never heard the name before. Um, Yeah, he keeps calling him you, you. and Hugh storms off. He's like, Hugh, Hugh. Yeah, he's like, come on, you. And he's like, it's Hugh. He's like, Hugh, Hugh. (laughs) Like, we've never heard this before. Back at home, Cheryl is there with Martine who is Sherry O'Terry, the Melons nanny from the party. She's been fired because she let somebody into the 
actual house to use the bathroom and the cook squealed, but Mellon doesn't know that it was Larry because she didn't squeal on Larry either. And because Larry said he'll be responsible if anything happened, she's taking him up on that. <laughs> yeah, she brings her suitcase and everything. Yeah, yeah. She's like, so I am homeless and I have my suitcase and your house is really big. Uh, and you said you would be responsible. So if anything happened and Larry would talk to Hugh about it, that's a good idea. He says, except we had a bit of a falling out as he explains that he complimented Hugh's son's penis to him. <laughs> and so, even Martine is like, yeah, how about that thing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and unfortunately she, you know, can't get another nannying job because she needs Melon as a reference. And that was her first nannying job. Her previous job was working the Looney Tunes barn or whatever it was at Six Flags for 15 years, listening to the Looney Tunes theme song on a loop for 15 years all day. Every oh, day. my God. <laughs> I tell you, I listened to it about five times in this episode and I'm already uh, sick of it. I can't imagine 15 years yeah, on day, a loop. Day. I have theme park experience and I can tell you that like you get to know the loop very quickly and it's very short cheryl says that she doesn't want the nanny from hell staying with them <laughs> as she pulled larry <laughs> away cheryl pulls larry into the kitchen and says i don't want the nanny from hell staying with us and larry again leaves the conversation to tell her that's richard lewis's where did you hear that she's like i don't know my dad said it all the time like no that's richard lewis's <laughs> um and i i love this juxtaposition here where larry goes i mean she's she's harmless as you hear her from the other room go, singing the Looney Tunes song from the next room. And Larry remembers that Jeff needs a nanny because Cheryl is pregnant. And so Larry drives Martine over to Jeff's. It's his birthday. So Larry wants to stop at the bakery and he buys all 12 remaining sponge cakes that Jeff loved so bad. I think this is a very thoughtful gift. I like this from Larry. Like, you know, when when you're as rich as these two guys are, it's like, what do you get for the guy who has everything? He liked this cake. I'm going to buy him the last cake. This cake will never be produced again. I'm going to get him every single cake. I'm going to get him liked. every cake. Yeah. 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 A dozen <laughs> sponge cakes that he liked. Uh, but they don't have boxes, so they just get all wrapped in, in saran wrap. By the way, it's this next shot that HBO chose for the cover art. And I couldn't stop seeing Larry with, like, gigantic Hulk hands. Did it look like that? Because, because the sponge cakes, the way he's holding them, look like knuckles. And so it looks like he has Hulk hands. Like, they're six-fingered Hulk hands. But uh, hang on. Like... I, I got to look this up again. I got to look this up. Holy see if you fuck. can see that confusing perspective of him. Just just glance at it and look. It looks like he's holding f giant fists in front of his body. <laughs> Jesus like, oh my Christ, God. it does. Oh, my God. <laughs> I think we might have to steal the HBO cover art now just because of that. But, but I, I kept seeing Larry. I'm like, why does he have giant hands? Oh, that's, uh, you know, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You know what? I'm right clicking. I'm saving as right now. Perfect. I, I am the I am the NFT trader's worst ha, nightmare. Got you, HBO. Got your NFT. Uh, so Larry, um, they they Larry and Martine arrive at Jeff's house, and Susie lays into Larry right away about a dozen sponge cakes. What am I supposed to do with this? First of all, he's already fat, and second of all, we don't have room to store twelve sponge cakes, which I find hard <laughs> to believe. I don't know how you'd keep a sponge cake. You got, breath, but... Yeah, you got you've got a huge fucking house. You don't yeah. have. A counter? You don't there's, have a pantry? Yeah. There's got to be room in that house for 12 sponge cakes. Uh, and also she lays into Larry for telling, uh, for letting people know that she's pregnant because the nanny knows she must have overheard when Larry told it, to, when Larry told it to Cheryl, but people know that, that um, Susie's pregnant now. And I take a little bit of, I, she's like, you don't tell people in the first three months, it's bad luck. I will give Susie a pass on that. But then mm -hmm. Larry goes, oh, that's just a dumb superstition. I think what Susie meant and my understanding of why you don't tell people that you're pregnant in the first three months is that that's when most things, that's the time period when most things can go wrong with a pregnancy. So you don't yeah. run around and tell everybody the second you find out yeah. because you're not necessarily out of the woods yet and you make everybody really happy 
and then you have to run around and tell everybody and make them really sad about <laughs> what happened. Um, yeah, so you, it's not you don't, a superstition. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, obviously, there's no time where you know things can't go wrong with a pregnancy. Oh, um, yeah. but you want to wait like a little longer to uh, you know make it a little safer. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, totally. It's like you you wait the three months because that's I, I feel like after that you're not completely you're never completely out of the woods not even after mm -hmm. they're born for crying out loud no one ever is we're not safe ted not to get existential <laughs> but um uh but but after that you're much less likely to lose it than you are in the first three months you know um and so that so with her saying it's bad luck i feel like that that sort of tracks with that understanding of it. But then Jeff going, and then Larry going, oh, that's just a dumb superstition. It's not <laughs> a superstition. It's more of like protecting everybody's feelings and the safety of your your family and, and stuff like that. Um, so Susie grabs the sponge cakes and tosses them on a garbage pile outside. <laughs> just one giant handful and just throws them in the trash. Yeah, this uh, this uh, beautiful house in, I'm, I'm guessing, Hollywood Hills, you know, yeah, somewhere area. Yeah. Hollywood yeah. Hills adjacent. They just have a pile of trash out back. Yeah, not because this this looks very messy. Totally. Yeah, it's like they they do have a big blue trash can there, but also just like trash bags laying everywhere and just piles of garbage. It's like, man, you guys probably pay pretty nice real estate tax. You should get a uh, a service, a trash service to pick that stuff up. So over at the Charles Adikoff screening room, which is kind of still at. 150 South Rodeo Drive, Suite 140. It is kind of, sort of? Well, because the screening room is still there, but it is currently the Rodeo screening room, and it's run by okay. Screening Services Group. The Screening Services oh. Group. Charles Adikoff, this is from The Hollywood Reporter, he passed away in 2016 at the age of 101. Oh, damn. I know. And he owned and operated this screening room since 1966 he opened the screening room it was at first at 9 sunset boulevard and he moved it in 1990 to this location 150 south rodeo drive and then he sold it in 2010 presumably to this group the ssg group um and but he still worked there every day until it closed in august of 2015 but it is it has since been reopened as this uh, Rodeo screening room under this other group here. Um, and uh, tons of people, tons of celebrities would, would hold screenings there. Judd Apatow called it one of the great places. It's like a great deli. And uh, they had a famous candy basket, I guess, that everyone knew about. And he came from a family of projectionists dating back four generations. There you go. Just a uh, uh, one of those insider Hollywood legend guys. Charles Adikoff, and it was an actor in his own right, I guess, before um, focusing on the screening room. But I didn't. This screen, this whole culture of screening rooms is is interesting to me. Like where people, like you know, rooms you rent all over the city, I guess, to show stuff, <laughs> to show your shit if you need to show it to a large group of people. Just interesting because um, you know this one you rent it and you have a set time you have to be there and. Someone runs the projection, I guess. Uh, so what's there now is Richard Lewis's screening uh, of his special. And he asked Larry uh, before the screening in the lobby about the Bartlett's thing. But, of course, Larry's penis thing uh, has maybe put the kibosh on all that. Jeff, meanwhile, gets a call that the nanny attacked Susie. The nanny that Larry brought over attacked Susie. And so Jeff runs off. Hugh runs in with what Richard Lewis and... <laughs> And La Richard Lewis and Larry are now calling the porn baby. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Ew. That's Ugh. the porn baby? I know. Yeah, just two words that do not go together. Uh, and Hugh had to bring him because there's they he fired his nanny. He doesn't have a nanny. Uh, inside the screen, the kid is very disruptive. He won't stop talking and asking for stuff and making noise. And he's eventually shushed by Larry, which just causes him to start fighting with Larry. And they start calling each other names. Uh one of the names the kid chooses is Big Nose, which I was like, kid, geez, Hugh, what are you teaching this kid? <laughs> like, especially in a town where there are lots of Jews. It's like, maybe you shouldn't. Um, but Jesus Christ. But Larry counters with a look who's talking, which I thought was funny. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when Hugh gets involved. Larry says, why don't you get Uncle Milty out of here so we can enjoy the special? Did you get that reference at all? Uh, No, no. 
It was just um, – it's nothing we have to put down for homework. It was just a reference to uh, Milton Berle, the old you know, TV host and, and game show host and, and, and stuff. Um, <laughs> he was just famously well-endowed, I guess. Oh, okay. All yeah. right. Yeah. So, and his nickname on TV was Uncle Milty. So, um, yeah, get Uncle, <laughs> get Uncle Milty out of here. Then <laughs> I loved the uh, this part. I I remembered this from the episode, and I've always loved this gag when Larry's going "fuck you." <laughs> that was good. That was really good. Fuck <laughs> you. And but Richard Lewis is exasperated and puts his head in his hands. Back over at Jeff's. Larry's superstition, I guess, came true because he had told people about Susie's pregnancy. This bad luck befell her, and she is up in her bedroom, and Larry feigns shock. This is my, another one of my favorite bits of the episode. Larry feigning shock about the nanny's mental issues. It's like, well, well I, it, obviously, I didn't know, or I wouldn't bring her over here. That would make me uh, psychotic, or whatever he said. <laughs> that would mean I'm deranged. I think that's what it was, yeah. That would mean I'm deranged, and... So obviously I didn't know. Oh my gosh. Uh, and we get a little flashback slash reenactment. This this is obviously a flashback. This, but it- okay. <laughs> our, our second example of absolutely brilliant cinematography here. I fucking loved how this was shot like a, a, a true crime, like... Uh, like a cold case files or some shit. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. It very was. It looked like a reenactment that you'd see on, you know, Rescue Nine One One or Unsolved <laughs> yes, Mystery. Yes, the the black and white, the, the totally <laughs> different camera angles. Like the the cameras were shot from the hip instead of yeah. from the shoulder. Oh, it was beautiful. Yeah, and they use little tricks like the replay and the the and, and <laughs> like messing with the, the, the focus. The, the flash to white uh, whenever there's like any. Uh, any, any like strike or anything, yeah, or, yeah. or any any conflict, any any interaction between the two actors, <laughs> just, yeah. just that quick flash to white it is beautifully done. Bravo, Larry Charles. Uh, but the nanny was triggered by Sammy, their daughter, watching Looney Tunes in the other room, and she heard the theme song and just had a disassociative <laughs> moment and starts you know uh, attacking Susie and eventually pushes over pushes Susie over the deck railing outside and she's telling Larry that my fall was broken by 12 sponge cakes and frolic kicks in and that's the end of the episode <laughs> Tim let me detail uh my feelings about this ending here okay so i i i just went into a whole diatribe about how i love this um, this uh, black and white scene of of the battle between Martine, the nanny, and and Susie, right? Yeah. Uh, we see that Susie lands on the twelve sponge cakes that were uh, somehow enough to protect a full grown woman from a ten fifteen foot fall onto yeah. concrete. And then the music starts, and my excitement was completely deflated. I'm like. That's it? That's the end? It was a fast episode. There was no falling action. Well, uh, <sighs> pun pun definitely intended there as well. <laughs> but yeah, they didn't give us a lot of time to breathe after the punchline. No. You know? I, I don't know. I just... I, I think that took a lot out of the episode for me, the way that ended. Yeah. yeah. I would have liked it more if... Had it ended differently, I think? Yeah, a little button, you know, a little tag. Yeah. I I, I think that ending, yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll get into it um, in a couple of minutes, but that ending changed my entire outlook on the episode. I think they just ran out of time. I guess you just got to blame the editor or this, just they shot too much. They had too much um, and they had to cut it <laughs> for, like right right when the yeah, punchline happens. For my fellow wrestling fans out there, they, they suffered from AEW syndrome. They just tried to shut shove too much into one episode and they're like oh we're out of time folks it'd be like a comedian telling his last joke like literally from the side of the stage and like running as soon as the it's over <laughs> it's like no they usually go and uh i fell on 12 sponge cakes everybody laughs all right thank you very much you've been great and that's 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 yeah. that's all you need that's the tag that's the button on the whole thing and we didn't get it it just it just ended <laughs> 
It's like, yeah, and then I landed on 12 sponge cakes. Shut up! Stop laughing at that! The show's over! Like, ah, sorry. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Br- bring up the house music! That's it! We're done! Yeah, yeah. Crank it. Hit play immediately. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, it, it leaves you with a feeling of unease. <laughs> it does. It really does. All right, Tim, uh, what do we got for homework this week? I just wrote down Bartlett's quotations. We'll figure out a little bit about All right. why they're the authority for who said cool. what. What do you like for cover art this week? Uh, I, I mean, I guess, shit, we already did that. We, <laughs> yeah. I, I already fucking have it saved. We are, <laughs> we are on top of it this week. We're ahead of the game. Uh, let's see what we can do about this week's description. So we had Larry, Cheryl, Jeff, and Susie encounter a nanny from hell <laughs> while Larry commits a faux pas at a pool party. <laughs> You're right. I don't know what we can do with it. Man, imagine uh, <laughs> uh, imagine calling a, a sexual predator, a, a, yeah. a, a, an actual pedophile, someone who just <laughs> committed a faux pas. He committed a bit of a faux pas. He was just a little too focused on a little boy's genitals. What? He was just, what? A, he, he was just a little too <laughs> focus he just looked a little too long at a little tiny boy's huge cock and then days later he is still bringing it up and he has told people (laughs) who were not there like (laughs) you know uh yeah Yeah, what a faux pas Uh, but i mean it's just fucking gross all the way around it's it's too weird but uh that's larry he has the courage to make an episode (laughs) like this oh he's Um, so he's so brave yeah this is like something like just going back it's something that you might do with a group of people but then like never bring you know never talk about again but that's not larry like you know and and you wouldn't even admit to if it came up like it's not something you're proud that you did like man yeah of course i looked because it was it was wild but it's not like i'm proud that i saw it and i i imagine his (laughs) dad is proud too it's just a weird thought to jump to uh okay so what do you what do you think of I, of the description i, I don't know I don't, what i would I, do to I, it i like it though yeah i, I like it as all is. the storylines yeah i know we were joking this whole time about oh yeah it, it sounds like it's one of ours yeah i mean it ours does, are good you know <laughs> <laughs> i mean ours are great so that that makes sense <laughs> we uh we can't do anything all right so let's let's keep it as is yeah sure <laughs> Tim, did you like this episode? Yeah, I liked it. I, I think it might have even been better than the last episode, which was an above-average episode, but I, I still don't think it's great enough for a star. So I, I didn't star it. I didn't think I was having that much uh, of a good time. But again, mm-hmm. an above-average episode for me. Yeah, and um, like I was saying earlier, the ending took away the star-worthiness <laughs> for me. I, I was enjoying the episode. It was funny. And then just how quick that ending came. It was like, ugh, yeah. okay. By the way, just to not, not to beat a dead horse, but I just thought of another, like, Curb is its own best example of the way frolic works. And the evidence of that is the way it is still used in memes to this day of a very long, uncomfortable pull-in shot on somebody or whatever. Like something, like somebody staring <laughs> off into the distance and it goes... <laughs> and it won't leave them and it plays for an uncomfortable amount of time that's what curb is known for yeah. and that's not and, and, this yeah and it, it plays until that yeah 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 and that's and that's not this um so no like what, what what's the uncomfortable shot Susie yeah. laying in agony on the on the sponge cakes I, yeah. I guess you know she's she's in pain but it's not like a a social pain yeah i mean I don't know what tag I would have put on it, but you know, maybe even Larry. Well, I don't. I don't know who. Maybe writing an ending where Larry was correct and Susie was incorrect, but it, but her life was saved by because if she like hadn't thrown him out, yeah, something has to happen with yeah. Larry staring at the little boy's dick. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> like least, we we get no consequence for that. Yeah, at least a questioning, <laughs> at least an in-station questioning. Bring him downtown. <laughs> And just double check that uh, you know there's no unsolved, uh, <laughs> you know, crimes that might be uh, attributed yeah. to. But no, yeah, that that has not come back up again. And uh, I, no, no pun uh, intended there either. Jesus um, Christ! 
But again, maybe it will. I don't know. Maybe Hugh will drop out just like the chef. Maybe Larry will run off all the investors. I honestly don't remember what happened, but maybe that's what's going <laughs> to end that up happening. That would be kind of funny. That yeah. would be kind of funny. He got rid of the chef. Now he's going to get rid of Hugh. All right, Tim. It is time for the uh, thing that we have been building up for a couple of weeks. <laughs> Lost in the mail. The oopsies, we forgot to do it last week edition. It literally was lost in the mail. It literally was lost in the mail. You are right. All right. Email this week from Nate Wallace. Nate writes, hey, boys, longtime listener, sometimes tweeter, first time emailer. Hmm. Nate says, I'll keep this short, but after finishing the whole Seinfeld run with you guys, parentheses, yes, I did every episode of the show and podcast. Uh, I got an HBO account to do Curb. Needless to say, I've also been catching up on other stuff I never finished, like The Sopranos. Tim, were you a Sopranos guy? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, well, Nate says, I always, I, I've never seen it, so th- this will uh, resonate more with you. Uh, Nate says, I always thought Uncle Junior kind of looked like Larry David and that <laughs> Bobby looked like Jeff, but never really thought anything of it. Until I got to season five, episode three, Junior is struggling with dementia and turns on the TV only to find Larry and Jeff frantically looking around for Judy the doll in Jeff's kid's room. Junior is confused and says, why am I on TV while looking at Larry and then points out Jeff and goes, there's Bobby. It was a really weird moment for my brain as I've kind of been binging both at the same time (laughs) and it just started cracking up. Did you guys know about this? The way they zoomed in on Larry on Junior's TV was so weird and such a wild HBO moment. Keep up the good work. Love your show and all the time and effort you put into put in to keep this thing rolling. Nate. P.S. I gave you all a five star Spotify, but there's nowhere to actually like write a review. Maybe I'm doing it wrong. Nate, I don't think you are doing it wrong. I think Spotify just does the five star reviews, but thank you for for writing this. That's incredible. I, I didn't I had no idea about this. I didn't remember that uh, and I've never made the connection, <laughs> but I, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Sopranos, uh, I, I realized I was calling it Sopranos, uh, you yeah. know, like a, a fucking high-class individual. <laughs> Sopranos, El so, Sol. The, the, the Sopranos on home box office. Uh, nah, um, I've never watched The Sopranos. It, it's one of those things that, you know, I've I've got access to it now. It's, it's at my disposal, mm-hmm. and I just haven't taken the time to watch it. Uh, oh, God. So next week, we have got Season 3, Episode 5, The Terrorist Attack. I'm sure this holds up well. <laughs> no. <laughs> Original air date, October 13th, 2002. And if you're looking at TV Guide that night, you are going to see a rumored terrorist threat overshadows a benefit performance by Alanis Morissette. Whoa. Big star Alanis Morissette. <laughs> And I guess big star Paul Reiser because HBO thinks his big face is the perfect cover art for the HBO. Obviously, <laughs> they always pick in... the worst fucking things, except for this week. Except for this yeah, week. except this week they actually got it right. Um, it's either <laughs> something that's not a part of the episode or uh, someone's big face. It was Angelo's big face or Brad's big face, Joan Rivers' big face, and now Paul Reiser's big face have all been. With- HBO and big faces. Season three is the season of big faces, I guess. It's it's, it's the big face season. It's the big face season. Yeah. They're like, oh, we got to put a huge face <laughs> on the cover art. Let people know what this episode's but, about. Maybe uh, they have an algorithm and it confused Larry's uh, <laughs> faux Hulk hands as a big face. Yeah, yeah I bet it did. <laughs> <laughs> All right. right. God damn it. Uh, big hands, big face. Same thing to that horrible um algorithm um all right is that it yeah that's it all right for no hugging no learning i'm tim murphy (laughs) i'm ted hollowell be good no music turn it off podcast is over get out